0: You're listening to The book Story and Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I'm your host. On this episode of the podcast, it is just going to be me, myself and I stepping you through my summer reading guide. Uh, Essentially, at the end of season four, I did a poll on my Instagram and asked you about what kinds of episodes you enjoy. And a lot of you said you liked solo episodes. So while solo episodes are actually the easiest to organize because I don't have to work around other people or create show notes to send to others, Uh, They are actually the hardest for me to record, as I can often re-record myself over and over again until I'm happy with the way an audio file sounds. So I don't tend to do this when I have guests on the podcast, but when it's just myself and my own voice talking, uh, I can't help but go back and edit over and over and over again. I've decided to do this episode because, like myself, I know a lot of people do the bulk of their reading over the holiday season and so I wanted to jam all my suggestions into one episode. You will likely hear some titles that you've already heard before on season 4 and 5 because they are books for the most part that I have read this year, Uh, but this will be a really good place that culminates all of those reads together so you can listen to one episode in full and hear my highlights for 2022 well some of my highlights for 2022 because there's actually one more episode to go which will feature my top reads of 2022 Uh, so having said that uh, most of the books that are featured in the episode today are ones that I have read this year with a mix of throwbacks and i'm going to be really conscious of not repeating myself so if you hear a title today or on this episode uh, you will likely not hear it again in the top reads of 2022 but a lot of these books have honorable mentions for me as being a great reads for the year i'm also going to mention a bunch that are on my holiday tbr just a note on this i always find it more difficult to talk about books i haven't yet read but i wanted to share with you some of the titles that i hope to read over the next few months so to break this episode up, I've come up with a few different categories that I guess summarize uh, the holidays for me, particularly over this time as I am a teacher, so I normally get bulk amount of holidays at this time. So the categories I've come up with are Christmas, Summer Flings, Wild Cards, Long Haul, and Holiday Reads. I have done my best to make sure that there are no spoilers on this episode and I hope that you walk away with a bunch of reads to enjoy over the summer. So in each category for this episode, I'm going to mention three or four books. And as I said before, they will be a range of things. So some I've read this year, some are throwbacks and some are TBR. So for the first category, I thought I would focus on Christmas, uh, especially because a lot of people are starting to read more Christmassy reads and that they are all over Bookstagram at the moment. Uh, Something that is quite difficult in Australia is actually to find a lot of these books we're seeing all over Bookstagram at the moment, maybe because our Christmas doesn't reflect a lot of the books that we are seeing. However. I would really love to see some more Australian reeds on the market that uh, embody our Christmas of hot weather, prawns, cold meats, um, escaping to the shopping centre for air conditioning and those sorts of things. Uh, but as I, um, as you probably know, I do live in Australia and yes, Christmas does fall in summer. And sometimes to escape that heat, I just want to delve into something sugary and a little bit icy. Uh, So these Christmas stories that I am going to be talking about today are probably more set in a colder climate. Uh, Both of the reads that I'm mentioning today that I have read are four star reads for me and I did read them last year. The first recommendation for you is The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. Here is a quick little synopsis for you. Identical twins, Cass and Charlie are both talented pastry chefs who've definitely picked up the baking gene from their parents. When an accident at Charlie's work leaves her without a sense of taste or smell, she has no other option but to swap lives with her identical twin sister in the hopes that her sister can continue to judge and cook on the Christmas special of Sweet and Salty. Cass readily agrees, and so the girls swap places with just a week until Christmas – There's a lot that I really enjoyed about this book, so just to quick fire list them off. I love the magical setting of Starlight Peak, the yummy treats and baking references. They're very seasonal and cozy for this time of year. I do really enjoy holiday baking, so quite enjoyed uh, that side of the story. The character construction was great and the problems that they faced as well as the plot was very fast paced and quite difficult to put down. Um, Although sometimes I did struggle a bit with the logistics of the swap. So things like phone numbers or uh, when Cass took on Charlie's job and needed to email and contact people via phones, etc, etc. Those sorts of things. If you are a very uh, logical person, you might get a bit swept up on it. But uh, try and sort of uh, suspend belief uh, while reading this book. This is definitely one that I would like to come back and reread at some stage, maybe not this year, uh, but who knows, maybe next year I'll be keen to delve back into the world of Charlie and Cass. My second Christmassy read for you is Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner by S.C. Gray. So I actually interviewed Stephanie last year on the podcast about her debut novel, and uh, similar to The Holiday Swap, I'm just going to list off the things that I really like about it and tell you a bit about the synopsis. So Campbell is a fashion loving bookshop owner with the most adorable dash hound Piper who lives in a quaint and cozy village of Selters Ridge. Life finally seems to be going just right for Campbell, then enters Bishop, an American veteran turned firefighter who also coincidentally is a dog lover. Oh, and he reads. Uh, so uh, again, a great, sweet, our romance is being set up, that is for sure. Uh, but some quick fire things that I really enjoyed about this book. So the setting, I feel like holiday reads are so categorized by their setting and a, and a quaint, cute little town is definitely one of them and Seltzer's Ridge is that. Also loved the bookstore setting. There are also plenty of little Christmas treats uh, along the way. And I found the plot to actually be quite Unpredictable. So I didn't pick a lot of the plot twists or the direction that the story took me in, and sometimes it's nice uh, to read a book that definitely has a bit of a romance thread through it uh, without sort of guessing the plot along the way. The other thing to note about this book is it definitely explored deeper issues, uh, especially in relation to returned veterans. So Stephanie's husband was in the army uh, within the US and So she writes a lot from her own perspective and I really gained a new perspective on why people serve and what uh, coming home can really mean for them. Uh, This book is littered with a bunch of beautiful quotes. Um, Stephanie has just such an elegant way with words and I really did enjoy getting swept up in the romance of this novel. I did find that the dialogue was a little bit rigid and unnatural at times and perhaps more so focused on informing the reader about what was happening rather than staying true to the characters and how they might speak in real life. Uh, But overall, if you are looking for something sweet and sugary but also has a little bit more of a twinge of seriousness to it, I definitely recommend Rules for Dating a Bookshop Owner by S.C. Gray. So they are the two Christmas reads that I have read. And now I'm going to talk about two Christmas reads that I will definitely be reading over the next few weeks. The first one is Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. I haven't read a Tessa Bailey novel before, so I am looking forward to this one. It is actually really short and sweet at 243 pages, to be exact. So if you're looking for something that's actually quite quick, uh, I would recommend also having a look into this one. Here's a little bit from the blurb. Two weeks before Christmas and all through Manhattan, shop windows are decorated in red and green satin. When a charming man named Aiden asks my opinion of the decor, it's a tragedy in tinsel. I am unable to lie. He asks for a better idea with a twinkle in his eye. So there's two things that I like about this book instantly from the blurb. The first one is the hint of enemies to lovers, where it sounds like the protagonist ends up having to work with Aidan. Uh, so maybe a bit of forced proximity as well. I do like that in a book. And the second one is potentially the perspective of what it's like to work in retail over the holiday or spe- specifically the Christmas season. Uh, it's something that I've experienced and that my mum still experiences today. And I think it's a unique angle as well to take about what it actually is like working uh, through those busy periods of the holidays and maybe not enjoying so much of the Christmas cheer uh, that we see in here when we go to the shops the second book that is on my tbr this holiday season is one day in december by josie silver now i have always seen this one over bookstagram in december usually because it has the word december in the title uh, but however it wasn't until i read one night on the island by josie silver earlier this year that i was like okay i'm definitely going to give this one a go and it has taken me a very long time to actually find a copy of it in stores uh, my local qbd finally came through with the goods and a black friday sale However, this is what One Day in December is about. Two people, 10 chances, one unforgettable love story. Laurie is pretty sure love at first sight doesn't exist anywhere but the movies. But then through a misted up bus window one snowy December day, she sees a man who she knows instantly is the one. Their eyes meet, there's a moment of pure magic and then her bus drives away. And essentially they have a, a range of encounters across December um, or one day in December that spans across 10 years. And I'm sure this is kind of a friends to lovers trope. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting. It's not necessarily overly Christmassy. It is something else that I'm not not expecting from it. But I'm enjoying like the cold winter vibes where maybe there's a sprinkle of some Christmas things in there as well Uh, but overall I just really loved One Night on the Island and I'm really keen to see uh, what Josie Silver has done with One Day in December that has made it such a popular read on Bookstagram as well. So they are my four uh, for the Christmas category so if you want to hear those titles again uh, definitely jump into the show notes and have a little read there. Okay, the next category is Summer Flings. So this isn't something that I personally associate with Summer, uh, but Summer Flings tend to be a trope explored in novels. Uh, this category will primarily feature romance reads, but I also think it's fair to acknowledge that Summer Flings can also exist in many other ways. So it's it could be a fling with a new drink, a new hobby, a new book, a new recipe, uh, a new friend even. And uh, some of these books have got hobbies, embedded within them uh, but for the most part yes they are a romance reads. So the first book that I would like to recommend for you to read over the summer is Anatomy a love story by Dana Schwartz. Here is a little overview as to what anatomy is about. Set in the moody city of Edinburgh during a flourishing time for science Hazel a young lady on the cusp of the London season turns her attention to obtaining a license to be a surgeon rather than obtaining a husband. A chance encounter with Jack, a resurrection man, forces Hazel to take a path she least expected in the hopes of achieving her dreams. So this one is the one that has a bit of a hobby. So Hazel has a fling uh, with wanting to be a surgeon. It ends up not being a fling, but rather an obsession and something that she's actually very good at. These are the things that I really enjoyed about the novel. The ease of the writing style. So it's actually a YA book, which I always find for the most part, they are very easy to read. I enjoyed the study of the human anatomy. I'm not usually someone who's very science or mathematically uh, minded, but I did enjoy the way in which the human anatomy was discussed and also explained. Uh, There was a shift in perspective as well in the novel, acute teen romance and the glimmer of a pandemic and vaccine argument, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Most notable about this story, however, though, was Hazel, the protagonist. She's a strong, curious and determined female lead and uh, definitely has the help of privilege. I think it's important to acknowledge that, but pair all this with a very nail biting and dramatic ending, as well as the taste of a sequel. And I think you have a great read, especially for summer. And if you need another reason to read this book, Immortality is the sequel and it is coming out early next year. So I highly recommend you get onto this one quite quickly. So you're ready for when Immortality becomes uh, released. Some things I didn't find so great about the book was the plot. It was a little bit predictable at times and there was this odd inclusion of fantastical elements at the end that I found a little bit um, disappointing, but overall it was a really good read. And the biggest takeaway for me was the idea about invisible people like Hazel of the past who could have changed the world and whether or not that be because of their gender or their ethnical background or any other kind of adversity that they might have faced, that idea of them being invisible and they could have made a difference in our world a lot earlier um, had they've been given the chance. If you enjoyed Enola Holmes or Outlander or Bridgerton, this would also be a book that you would quite like. It did rate four stars for me this year, so uh, definitely one of my top reads of the year as well. The second read in the Summer Flings category is Weather Girl by Rachel Lynn Sullivan. So if you are a avid listener of the podcast, uh, you would know that I have done a full episode on the X-Talk back in 2020. And the Weather Girl is one that I was also keen to read. Here's the synopsis for you. Ari Abrams, a weather nut and hardworking meteorologist, is displayed by the atmosphere at work created by her once idol, now boss, Torrance Hale, and her ex-husband, Seth. After a disastrous Christmas party, Ari and her sports reporter, co-worker Russell, conspired to parent Trap, Torrance, and Seth back together. Whilst this story might appear all sunshine, there are certainly some deeper issues explored, including depression, family, and body image. So what I really enjoyed about this book uh, was certainly the characters, the plot twists even right at the end, the humorous meme-like lines that were littered throughout and just some of the key moments of the novel were exceptionally written. I also like the workplace romance trope and the theme of weather, which also like permeated in the lead character's fashion choices, so we have descriptions of weather themed clothing and jewellery, something I can certainly get on board with. I also think the theme or issue of depression was explored really well within the book. It, wasn't so deep that it overtook the story, but it was just enough to give me more of a perspective and an understanding on this mental illness. And there was an author's note right at the very beginning as a trigger warning, uh, which I also really like when there's an author's note right at the beginning of the story that might also explain some of the issues that are in it and why those issues might exist alongside something like a romance. So for the most part, I really enjoyed the book. Some moments were slightly too manufactured for my liking. And I thought that the whole parent trap vibe could have definitely been extended on a little bit more. But overall, this was a really great novel to read. It was very addictive, fast paced and fun. uh, Hence why I think it belongs in the summer fling category for my reading guide this year. The third book in my summer reading guide is Unnecessary Drama by Nina Kenwood. Here's the synopsis. Unnecessary drama is about Brooke, a young uni student who has moved out of home for the first time to live in a share house in Melbourne. She doesn't predict that one of her housemates will be her friend turned crush turned enemy, Jesse. Initially, she vows to simply stay out of his way. This becomes a lot harder than she thought, though. I instantly loved this book. I thought it was really refreshing. I enjoyed the awkward and relatable main character. I found her highly relatable. Uh, She talks about things like germs and rules and laminating things, and that's just something I can definitely get around. There was also some forced proximity, a Melbourne setting, as well as a sprinkle of enemies to lovers and fake dating. And the protagonist herself is actually a writer, so I quite enjoy stories where you're actually reading about writers The plot was also very entertaining and funny. I found myself giggling along to it and it was just really easy to read and sink into. I just didn't want to put it down and again I think that's what makes a great summer fling book. Something that you love and adore and uh, wrap your head around really quickly and fling in and out of and uh, something that sticks with you and you want to tell other people about it. I did feel as though there was a little bit of things unresolved without giving too much away so some of Brooke's relationships as well as kind of like why she was also studying economics when she clearly wanted to be a writer uh, that was never really explained for me Uh, but overall if you loved the flat share I think you'll really enjoy this millennial love story with for me a highly relatable character and is a great book that deserves to be sitting on your summer reading list this year. The final book in this category is something that has been on my TBR for a few months and just get, keeps getting like pushed down the pile. Uh, but I hope potentially over the, if it's not this year, hopefully early next year, I will read uh, The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Here's a little bit of the blurb for you. Florence Day is the ghost writer for one of the most prolific romance authors in the industry. And she has a problem. After a terrible breakup, she no longer believes in love. It's as good as dead. When her new editor, a too handsome mountain of a man, won't give her an extension on her book deadline, Florence prepares to kiss her career goodbye. But then she gets a phone call she never wanted to receive, that she must return home for the first time in a decade to help her family bury her beloved father. For 10 years, she's run from the town that never understood her, and even though she misses the sound of a warm southern night and her eccentric loving family and their funeral parlour, she can't bring herself to stay. Even with her father gone, it feels like nothing in this town has changed and she hates it. Until she finds a ghost standing at the funeral parlour's front door, just as broad and infuriatingly handsome as ever. And he's just as confused about why he's there as she is. Romance is most certainly dead, but so is her new editor. And his unfinished business will have her second-guessing everything she's ever known about love stories. So... A bit of a longer reading there, but I feel like you kind of need the whole blurb to actually really understand what the book might be about. So some supernatural vibes or magical realism vibes that I can definitely uh, get my head around in terms of this real life setting. I also think there's a bit of an enemies to lovers vibes going on. And I'm just overall interested in the whole premise of the whole story and to see where it goes. So they are my four summer reading guide books for the category of summer flings. So the third category out of five is called wild cards. So the reason why I have got a category that is called wild cards is I especially love to play board games and I always feel like Christmas get-togethers are a great opportunity to bust out a board game uh, or a card game of some sort Mainly because you have a longer period of time that you're hanging out with people And I also think it's a really great way for people to get off their phones and spend some time together Whether it be playing a game of um, trivia or Cluedo or heaven forbid uh, Monopoly, which my brother and I are not allowed to play in my household anymore uh, But these are some books that I think fit the category of wild cards that go along those whole idea of board games so two I have read and two are on my TBR. My first summer reading recommendation is Everyone In My Family Has Killed Someone by Benjamin Stevenson. Now this one fits the category for me because I think of the board game Cluedo where there's lots of rooms in a house where there's lots of different characters involved, uh, there's different murder weapons involved and of course like that big reveal at the end where everyone's in the room and uh, the, the crime is solved essentially. If you haven't heard of this book yet, and maybe you haven't, um, it's not one I have mentioned just yet on the book club, this is it in a little snapshot. Everyone in my family has killed someone. Ironically is the name of the title and the very first line of the prologue. It's a slow burn thriller involving the infamous Cunningham family who also happen to find themselves in an Australian ski resort on a family reunion. Some other little context about this book is that uh, in my book club we did read it quite recently and it is topped the book for 2022 and there are a few reasons why that would be. I think it's because a lot of us actually really liked the story and how the narrator breaks the fourth wall. We also liked the idea of the detective club rules that were listed at the front of the book and then uh, that the narrator actually stays true to throughout the story as well. Uh, there's also different sections dedicated to different family members and it kind of winds between like past and present. So you, you're hearing the stories that happen and accompany the characters. And it was very just it was it was overall was very clever it was very winding and i really enjoyed the journey some things that i did struggle with about this book was there were many layers to the story which is potentially why i'm suggesting it as a summer read because you definitely need to be thinking as you're reading this story and there were certain aspects of the story i wasn't invested in as others and that was Purely because that there was so many layers to it. But if you're after something that's a a good story and a good mystery read, especially one that's set in Australia, because they're a little bit rarer, uh, I would highly recommend Everyone in my family has killed someone. The second book in this little category would have to be the book that I'm actually at the time of recording currently listening to. And it is Tom Felton's Memoirs. It is called Beyond the Wand, The Magic and Mayhem of Growing Up a Wizard. Now I've put it in this category because I really actually wanted to talk about it. I think it would be a really good holiday listen or a holiday read, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan. But also some of my memories of playing video games are often actually playing the Harry Potter games and having like little Draco or Harry or Hermione or whichever character you're playing actually walking through Hogwarts and therefore I've connected it. Uh, That might be a really loose one just for me to talk about this book, but regardless. Um, I'm not quite halfway through the book yet, but it is everything that I wanted it to be. It is little tidbits about his actual acting career and how he got to be where he is as playing Draco, and it has great little behind-the-scenes tidbits and things about his family, and for the most part, is exactly what I wanted it to be. So if you are a Harry Potter fan or you really enjoy a memoir, especially an actor's memoir, then I would highly recommend Beyond the Wand. The other two books that I am going to mention in this category I have not yet read. Uh, hopefully I'll get to them over the summer. Um, if not, I still want to recommend them for other people or potentially put them on your radar. The first one is Time of My Life by Myth Warhurst. So here in Australia, Myth is a team captain on the... A music quiz show Spicks and specs. I really enjoyed watching this as a teenager and I have thoroughly enjoyed watching the revamp of it this year on television. So Miff has also worked in Australian radio and has a lot of knowledge about the music industry. She also was our uh, commentator for Eurovision or has been our commentator for many Eurovisions I should say. So I feel like she would have so much to actually reveal and talk about. The only reason why I haven't yet picked this book up is actually because I'm waiting for access to the audiobook. I don't know if it's ever going to come. It is only available on one platform at the moment. Uh, but I'm hoping that my local library might get in uh, a copy of it if I wait long enough, potentially. And the fourth and final book in this category is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. The reason why this one falls into the category is it is about video games, and if you're a bookstagrammer, you would have been living under a rock to have not seen this all over your feed. Uh, here's just a little uh, snippet of the blurb. Let the games begin. From the New York Times bestselling author of The Storied Life of A.J. Vickery, a glorious and immersive novel about two childhood friends once estranged who reunite as adults to create video games finding an intimacy in digital worlds that eludes them in their real lives. For the most part, I would really love to read this because a lot of people on Bookstagram have. So this would be a Bookstagram Made Me Do It book. But also it seems that even if you're not really into video games, it's something that you actually enjoy. I like the sound of it for something completely different and to add to my reading palette. So... If you're also a bit like me and you're looking for something a little bit more adventurous potentially over the summer I uh, definitely check out Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. okay the next category is long haul so I think I often savor some large books for holiday periods when I have some time um, and a bit more space like in my brain to process them. Uh, so whilst I don't usually feel pressured about meeting a reading goal every year, I do also find it a bit easier to sink into larger books towards the end of the year if I've completed my goal or I'm really close to my goal. So these are some books that I would say are for the long haul uh, maybe it's because the content's heavier, or it takes longer, or of the pe- or because of the page count. Is it probably a little bit higher than my average read? So I've got three for you. Two of them I have already read, and one of them is on my TBR. The first book is Violetta by Isabel Allende. Now I have never read an Isabella Allende book before, and this one was a shameless book club pick for 2022, so I was kind of keen to have a read of it for myself and then, of course, listen to the episode afterwards. This is what it's about. As she nears the end of her life, Violeta reflects on the personal, national, and world events that caused her devastating heartbreaks, passionate affairs, times of poverty and wealth, terrible loss, and immense joy for nearly a century. So essentially what this book is, is about Violetta's life for a cent- almost a century. She's born in the time of the Spanish flu and her life is coming to the end during the COVID pandemic. If you are a historical fiction fan, I would say that this one is probably more so for you. If you're someone who doesn't really like the long haul of a read that is quite historical and winds in historical events, it might not necessarily be something for you. But what I really liked about it is I just got completely swept away in the story and thought it was such a great novel because it is essentially someone's story or someone's life. I learned an awful lot about the history of South America and particularly the political unrest because a lot of the book and things that happened in Violetta's life are also connected to key historical events. I think that there was a lot to also take away from the story, including... Violetta's resilience and her vitality of life, even through all the different ups and downs and great sadness that seemed to tinge her life. For me, on a personal note, this story also made me think about my pop and the amount of change he's seen in the world and would have experienced over his life. Some things, however, that I did uh, not enjoy as much about this book was that the plot did tend to drag at times, which again can happen. During historical fiction novels and a few of the later decades in particular felt a little bit rushed and a little bit scattered. I also would have loved a map and I think uh, potentially South America was too broad but after finishing the book and uh, learning a little bit more about the author I can understand potentially why the location was kept as broad as it was but for me I really think you kind of need a, a location to better understand what is happening and, and place it in the world and for it to be a, um, a five-star historical fiction for me anyway. But if you do enjoy stories about women, if you do enjoy historical fiction, uh, this is definitely something to bump onto your TBR. The second book that I would like to recommend to you, if you haven't already read it, is *Bear Town* by Frederick Backman. The reason why this one is currently on my mind is I am a few chapters away from actually finishing The Winners, which is the third series in this book. If you haven't heard about Beartown or read it yet, this is a little snippet about what to expect. Set in a small Swedish hockey town, Beartown weaves multiple perspectives across a generation of hockey supporters, players, stakeholders and families. The landscape, cast of characters and deeper themes of parenthood, corruption, loss, grief, age, friendship, sexuality, alcoholism and sexual abuse were all rolled together as each character faced a range of challenges over the short two week span of the novel. So I would definitely recommend having a look into the content warnings for this book if it's something that you are interested in reading. Because as I just said, uh, there are a lot to be aware of. I really think that this is a great book that fits the long haul category first and foremost because it is quite a lengthy book. There are a lot of characters and stories to take away from this novel. The way that it has been described to me before as well is the idea of a like collective narration where it's like it feels like as if it's the town that's narrating it and you kind of like dip into other people's lives which is a really unique way to read a book. I also think you definitely need the space to sort of sit back and reflect on what you've just read because it is a mammoth book with lots of characters, lots going on um, and a lot of quite heavier topics. Although I actually found the start of this book incredibly slow and I found the hockey chat a little bit boring, I'm really glad that this is a book and a series that I've stuck with because the, the plot seems to like pick up momentum like two thirds of the way through the book and suddenly you just need to know what happens. I had a similar reading experience with Us Against You and again another similar one with The Winners where it's like you get a nurse back in the plot again and the stories and the characters and what's happening. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like okay you're caught up now let's uh, write this one. Um, it also has some wintry vibes so if you're someone who is either A in the southern hemisphere and craving some wintry vibes then it's a good book. Or if you are someone who is currently living in the Northern Hemisphere and experiencing all the wintry vibes and want to sink right into it, uh, it would be another great one to read. And the final book in this category is The Seven Skins of Esther Wilding by Holly Ringland. So this one is on my TBR. I haven't yet read it, but it is a chunky book. It's 549 pages to be exact and was published earlier this year. Um, here's a little snippet of the blurb. The last time Esther Wilding's beloved older sister, Aura, was seen, she was walking along the shore towards the sea. In the wake of Aura's disappearance, Esther's family struggles to live with their loss. To seek the truth about her sister's death, Esther reluctantly travels from Tasmania to Copenhagen and then to the Faroo Islands, following the trail of the stories Aura left behind. Seven fairy tales about selkies, swans and women alongside the cryptic verses Aura wrote and had secretly tattooed on her body. So... Again, this isn't one that I've read, so I can't talk about it too much. So hopefully the blurb has sold you on it. But I really like the idea of the sisterly connection, the uh, connection between like Tasmania and somewhere like Copenhagen and sinking into uh, those fairy tale stories and seeing how that will all interconnect in the story as well. And again, it's something that potentially will take a little bit of thought and reflection and a bit more. A book that is probably more so for the long haul. And the final category in this episode is called holiday reads. I had actually initially called this beach reads, but I would be lying because I don't personally spend my summers at the beach, even though, yes, I live in Australia, not that far from the Gold Coast, but I have incredibly pale skin that burns very easily and so i definitely prefer to spend my summers in the shade therefore i would recommend these books for your holiday reads no matter what your holiday looks like these are books that are potentially easy to pack they may be reflective addictive uh, have short bite-sized chapters so it's easy to sit down and read in shorter bursts between all those different uh, holiday activities or family obligations three I have read. Uh, One is on my TBR. The first one is Love and Other Puzzles by Kimberly Alsop. Now, if you haven't heard of this one, uh, here is a little bit about it. Home to one of the most relatable protagonists in a while. In brackets, I've put many plans, lists, outfit layouts, rom-com lover and routines. Love and Other Puzzles explores family, love self-discovery and relationships as Rory navigates a week of her life using answers from the New York Times crossword puzzles. There was a lot I really enjoyed about this novel from the protagonist's daily structure Each of the characters were actually quite original, not just her. There was really witty use of language, some relatable jives at New South Wales because I am uh, a Queenslander. There was lots of different uh, contemporary or millennial references throughout, it was funny lines and it was just very refreshing and overall enjoyable. There was a split sort of setting between Sydney and Brisbane which was a really pleasant surprise for me a lot of the times Brisbane uh, which is my uh, local capital city is forgotten about in Australian literature and I also kind of like wanted to do a crossword puzzle from reading it and I don't I don't particularly love crossword puzzles because I definitely don't know all the answers Um, and then you feel like you're cheating if you look it up Um, but overall I I did really like this book and think it would be a great one to be swept away with while you're on holiday. A few things that I wanted from the book but perhaps didn't get was I would have loved a few more crossword like clues and answers scattered throughout the book and it would have been really great if there was actually the crossword puzzle at the end of the book and um, I'm not going to tell you why I wish there was one there because I think that will give too much away. But essentially, I just wanted a crossword puzzle at the end to complete. It should also be noted that this book did bring me out of a reading slump. And I would actually really love to see it grace the silver screen um, or like some kind of like mini series. I think it could be a really fun book to take and to flesh out. Uh, So that one is Love and Other Puzzles by Kimberly Alsop. The second book in this category is Something Blue by Alex Sarkis. Alex joined me on an episode of the podcast earlier this year where I actually got to interview her about her debut novel. This is a little overview. Heartbroken and worse for wear, Nicole is at a loss. Just when she was at a time in her life when she thought the future was set, the rug was pulled out from under her. Armed with her camera and a determination to be something different, Nick sets out to find her own aspirations whilst balancing family obligations, culture and traditions. There seems to be a very big through line with a lot of the books that I'm recommending on this episode, and it's because it's based in Australia. Um, I learned an awful lot about Western Sydney and the suburbs of Western Sydney through the lens of an Australian Lebanese protagonist who took us to many key locations and introduced us to a range of like wonderful and unique characters. I also had my highlighter at the ready as I read this one because there were so many great quotes and lines throughout that I really enjoyed. I did find that the later half of the novel seemed to focus on one of the side characters more than the actual protagonist, who I was more so interested in, and I would have loved an epilogue at the end to solidify the hope I felt for the character. However, I... Do follow Alex on social media and she has kind of hinted that there might be a sequel coming. Hopefully I'm going to get a whole book of an epilogue rather than just a little epilogue chapter at the end. It is a stunning debut from an Australian author. I do highly recommend that you not only grab yourself a copy of the book and read it, but also head back and have a look at some of my past episodes and especially that episode there where I'm talking to Alex about her work. The third book in this category is The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. I picked this one up when I was in Victoria uh, earlier in the year on holidays and a very special thank you to the Bookstagrammer who worked at the bookstore and recommended it to me. I had never read a Sally Hepworth novel before but now I'm definitely way more interested. Here is what The Younger Wife is about. Revelling in the rapid deterioration of their mother due to Alzheimer's, sisters Tully and Rachel are not at all happy to discover that their father has a new girlfriend who is half their age. Family, trust, illness, divorce and domestic violence are all explored in this family drama slash thriller. So definitely a few content warnings for this one as well that I would recommend checking out. These... What I really enjoyed about this novel, though, was the multiple perspectives. Like, I love it when a book shifts between just more than one character. It was also a very highly motivating plot. So considering that I was away and traveling with friends, I just really wanted to devour it. Like, had those just one more chapter vibes about it. It was short, sharp chapters. And um, also had a way of exploring the sadness and grief that accompanies Alzheimer's disease for the people who are in that intimate circle of the person who's suffering from it. Uh, With that being said, there were a few little things about the novel that didn't quite make it to the five star read for me. Uh, The writing was very like matter of fact and straight to the point, which I do usually enjoy, but there was just lacking a little bit of beauty to it. Um, In addition, the ending just fell just that little bit flat and was just a bit too like open ended or too obvious for me. However, I think that sometimes that's what makes a good holiday read, which is why I wanted to include it in this episode. I also want to make mention of The Soulmate, which is the only other Sally Hepworth book that I have read. If you want to hear my thoughts about that one, you'll definitely have to listen to my next episode because it does feature in my top 2022 reads. The final book in this category is something that is on my TBR, but I know one of my good friends loves uh, this series of books, so I would love to read it so we can share in it together. It is The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Here is the description. In a peaceful retirement village, four unlikely friends meet up once a week to investigate unsolved killings. But when a local property developer shows up dead, The Thursday Murder Club find themselves in the middle of their first live case. The four friends, Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim and Ron, might be pushing 80, but they still have a few tricks up their sleeve. Can our unorthodox but brilliant gang catch the killer before it's too late? There are a few things that appeal to me about this book. It would definitely be the mystery, the promise of some quirky and unique characters, and it also reminds me of Only Murders in the Building, which is a Disney Plus series where we have a young woman and then two retirees, essentially, living in this one building where a murder's happened and they set about trying to solve the murder through their podcast. So that is it that is all five categories all of my summer reading recommendations for 2022-2023 laid out for you this is just the beginning because this episode kind of has a sister episode which is going to come out in another two weeks time at the end of the month which will feature all of my top 2022 reads so while this one has had a sprinkling of some tbr some things i've read this year and some things i've read in the past next episode is going to have all the books of 2022 that I have read and adored and at last count I've read 67 books nearly 69 so by the time I get around to recording that episode I should have hit 70 and um, I'm going to give you a bunch of recommendations so thank you very much for listening right to the end of the podcast I hope that you've enjoyed that solo episode and I'm not sick of the sound of my voice like I am Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the book story and podcast. If you've enjoyed it, show your support by following subscribing and rating the show, wherever you listen, as well as sharing the podcast on social media. If you want to go the extra mile, you can shout me a coffee via Kofi. It's super easy to navigate and you don't need an account to donate. You can find the link in the show notes, along with a full list of all the books and other media mentioned in this episode. Finally, make sure you head over to Instagram and follow my latest guest as well as my bookstagram at bookstorian underscore and podcast account at the bookstorian podcast.